the biggest problem today is that the most, a lot of people, they try to do the shortcut and it, does, it doesn't work. If I would be 18 years ago, again, I would do exactly the same thing. You know, to go around, to enjoy my life, to see countries, to work. I had never problem anywhere, you know, to learn a lot, to see a lot, and then you will find your way. And for us, the only way to achieve three mission stars was to be different. This way, what we did, it was our own way. Hi, I'm Dan Rubenstein, and this is The Grand Tourist. I've been a design journalist for nearly 20 years, and this is my personalized guided tour through the worlds of fashion, art, architecture, food, and travel, all the elements of a well-lived life. When the New York Times asked star chef Massimo Bottura what his favorite places to eat were in the Italian Alps, his first choice was a three-Michelin-starred San Hubertus at the Hotel Rosa Alpina, a restaurant run by my guest today, Chef Norbert Niederkoffler. Quote, it's that super-friendly Italian approach we like. Simple, not stiff, Massimo told the Times. And watching Norbert at work in the open kitchen and eating his special mountain flavors, it can change your entire vision of life. It's the unique vision, along with the humility, bravery, and openness to see it through, is what makes Norbert such a fascinating figure in the world of food and fine dining. Born and raised in the mountains of northern Italy, he traveled the world as a young chef and trained with some legendary names in European cuisine, including Jörg Müller, Eckhard Witzigmann, and Nadia Santini. Then, in the 90s, he returned home to begin a storied journey to transform San Hubertus from a humble pizzeria into the incredible spot it is today. And in 2019, he opened Alpine, a more casual eatery with stunning mountain views and an interior designed by our former guest, Martino Gamber. It's attached to the Lumen Museum for Alpine Photography that's also a stone's throw away from the famed Zaha Hadid design Messiner Mountain Museum. But Norbert is perhaps best known for his philosophy and approach to food. Called Cook the Mountain, he sources his ingredients from solely the area around it, and following a zero-waste policy that took quite the effort to turn into a reality. More on that later. His latest restaurant is in the city of Milan, Porto. But instead of Cook the Mountain, he's sourcing ingredients from just an hour and a half drive from the city center. I caught up with the affable and generous chef from his offices in the Dolomites, to discuss his time traveling the world, how he turned a pizzeria into a three Michelin star destination, and what Cook the Mountain really means. I've read that you have your roots in cooking can be traced a little bit to your father, that you maybe you you learned a little bit of cooking as a, as a young man from him. Is that true? This is true, yes. Uh, we, our family or my family owned, used to own a, a small hotel, small place in the in the in the mountains and uh so <clears throat> it was always fun you know to stay in the kitchen with my parents especially with my father and uh, to stay there and uh, there's a lot of people coming in and uh, having a chat talking sitting down and so this was my loved place and uh, that's why still now i mean my father passed away when i was uh, 17 or 16 and a half and but uh, the best memories I still have on 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 that time, especially also sitting around this big table in the in our kitchen, and uh, having all those people you know talking, sitting, eating, laughing, and so this was uh, probably one of the most important uh, points to for me to 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 really start to work in the kitchen and to become a chef. And what did your parents do? 
for a living? Well, as I said, you know, we used to have a small hotel, but we had also a shop, a small shop like uh, like the we used to have it in the in the old days, you know, where you had everything in a small village because Lutach, the village where I was born, is around 900, uh, 950 people living there. And so it was very, very small. Everybody knew everybody. And so, uh, but what we did with the, with the shop, we bought a lot of things from uh, local farmers, you know, like all the, the different berries in summertime, mushrooms in fall and all this. And then we collected this and then we sold it to companies who made uh, marmalade, who made uh, uh, mushroom, you know, in cans and stuff like that. And so there was always a smell of, of, of great products, of great food and of great uh, things in, in our house. So there was always fresh products. So we had always, uh, in a, we were living in a lucky position to have always good, very good products. And uh, yeah, this is the way how we grew up. I have uh, four sisters, and uh, now we had a really normal family life in a small village in the mountains, and uh, so it was really great there. The region that that you're in now is now known today for having a lot of restaurants that are very successful, many like Michelin stars. And I'm curious, like, I know you made like sort of like marmalade up, you know. Uh, up there, but like, what was the food of your youth like? What was the sort of an average, uh, maybe a Sunday dinner or something like that uh, back then? Well, it was, was also a very poor area. You know, it was not not a rich area. And so now today we have a lot of tourism there, but in, in those days there was not a lot of tourism there. And so you really had to live from from what nature gives you. And so that's why the food was very simple. Food was very based. Food there was always a reason why things have been done, why things like this have been done. So that's why, for me, it's always, uh, you know, when I think on those days, also when you think today, you know, there's a lot of allergies, there's a lot of uh, vegetarian, this, 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 this. You know, we had to live in a different way there. So like uh, Sunday was classic that for lunchtime, the only the only day in the week you had meat was on Sunday. So you had on Sunday for lunch, you had maybe the whole families were sitting together and you had uh, you had some lamb, you had some pork, you had some some beef. And uh, then the leftovers you had during the week. So to really to use everything, that you don't have any waste, that you don't have uh, really throw away things. And so you had maybe three, two, three, four, three, three times meat per week. And that's it. So that's why you know it's 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 always uh, it was it was always very very balanced. And so this is what we are missing today because today is not balanced anymore. Today is or this or this. So or you meet a lot of meat or you don't meet eat any meat. But you know when you have uh, especially also in, the, in those days I was working in summertime during the summer breaks in school. I was I had to work on farms. You know to. To, to get some money to help them. And uh, so that's why it was really tough work. It was hard work. And so you burned a lot. Uh, and this is how it is, you know, when you when you see nature, it's, uh, nature, nature is very, it's fantastic because when you live really in nature, nature gives you all year round exactly what you need, what your body needs, what your mindset needs what you need with consistency, what you meet, need with texturas, and especially also what you, what you need with colors. And so when, when you follow the nature in a really natural way, then, then food is okay. Food is, uh, you have a very balanced food. So, you know, in like in wintertime, you have 
those uh, heavy, rudy vegetables. And then when spring comes, you know, you have the light, the very light colors, you have the very light food, you have the very airy food. And so it's, this is fantastic. And this is what, what uh, also what uh, today we try to do, you know, to really respect this and to really follow this and preparing the museum, the menus like this. And like a lot of chefs, you, you had a period in your life where you worked for different people and you left the mountains and you, you were tempted to kind of to do some traveling as a young man. Where did you go first? Well, I left, you know, I was, uh, as I said, I was doing ski racing. And uh, when my father passed away, I stopped right away ski racing because I was doing downhill races. And then I, my mother took a decision that uh, she said, we are not going to build uh, the hotel, what we had in plan. But uh, everybody of us was allowed to do whatever he wants to do, you know. And so my three sisters, three older sisters, they were already on the university. And then I had a little sister. And I said, well, you know, I want to see the world. I want to travel the world. And so that's why I, I went to Germany. I went to uh, close to Munich on a hotel school. And uh, the, this was the beginning of my traveling. So from there, I left uh, hotel school. I came back to Alto Adige to work for the winter season here to make some money. Then I, I went to, to Switzerland. From Switzerland, I went to America. I was working in Cleveland, Ohio, in old days when the river caught fire. So it was a really, really funny situation there, but it was really good. And, uh, you know, with the money I made, I was traveling around for one year in the States. So I was doing six months in North America, and I was in that six months I was staying for almost two months in the Hopi uh, reservation. So because I really always had the connecting to uh, to Mother Nature, and uh, for me the Indians were the best community, you know, to really to really uh, live this this way of, of of life and to really experience this way of life. And then I went for where was the reservation? It's in uh, in uh, Utah. And uh, but it was fantastic, you know, to really to see with uh, how little things you can really survive. To see what uh, when you really think of everything, and when you take everything, and when you really uh, go into with how little uh, things you can you can live and you can survive, and especially also the the culture and also the how they say the the old the the way of living of, 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 of those people for me was very interesting. From there, I went uh, for another six months to Central America and also there, you know, in Guatemala, you know, to sit on those beautiful markets in a beautiful cities. And it was, for me, it was a great experience. It was really fantastic to see with the people, to stay with the people, to have the food. And uh, this was, was probably the most important thing in those days. And uh, And I did this for around... Uh, till I was 25 years old. So I was just uh, working for traveling, not uh, working for becoming a big chef, but working for traveling, to have the money to do, to go to the to the places where I, I always wanted to be, but I didn't have the money to go there. And and you said that you mentioned, uh, I think before we started recording, that you used to come to New York a lot. Well, for me at that time, you know, for that time was was very different because there was no internet, there was no no nothing. So you know, to see what's going on in New York, and New York was always famous for food already there, you had to go there because you know the books like from Charlie Trotter or from Daniel Boulou or from Jean Georges von Gerichten till they came to Europe, it took always six months a year. And so for me, it was 
I said, no, I want to go there. I want to see. I want to experience. And I had the, the great opportunity to work with David Boulet. And uh, at that time in Tribeca, and at that time Tribeca was really, I say always, it was uh, it was dangerous. Today it's just expensive, but at that time it was dangerous. And there was always nothing because it was just uh, the Tribeca Grill, then you had uh, Chanterelle, then you had uh, David Boulet, and then afterwards a Nobu came in, and then the whole thing started, and it became very fancy, very very, very, very nice and very beautiful. Today, the, the dangerous to your wallet today. <laughs> well, today, yes. <laughs> yes. At that time, the taxi didn't stop there because it was so dangerous. You just uh, you had to jump <laughs> off, and then they left right away. But it was it was a beautiful place. It was beautiful, and uh, but for me, you know, to work with David Boulet was great because I said always to him, "You're not a chef. You're a food junkie." Because he was always far, far, far ahead of the time. You know, he was uh, talking about El Bulli when nobody knew about El Bulli. He was talking about new trends when nobody knew about new trends. He was talking about uh, Japanese cuisine when nobody really was thinking about doing this. And in the first year, New York for me was was mind-blowing. Because, you know, you had really uh, all those different communities living in one city. And you had Chinatown on one part of the street. And uh, you had probably... The more original Chinese food and in, in a lot of places in China. Then you had Little Italy on the other side, and there was the same thing because they was living old ladies. They didn't speak one word of English, but they brought all the culture, all the traditions, and all this. And so in the beginning was really, you know, you could really have a, a international uh, culinary experience in one city. Because from India, from Thailand, from Japan, from China, from Italy, from all over the world, you had the communities there, and they were all doing their own food. And so it was really fantastic. And then it changed and changed more and more and more. And then all the, those uh, mixture, you know, the mixture food came in and, and uh, the fusion cuisine came in. And then you didn't really know, really didn't understand anymore what I'm eating, what I'm, what I'm eating. And so... But the beginning was fantastic, and so I spent it at least, I think, 60 or 70 times in New York that I was there, and I was there for two weeks, three weeks, uh, just staying also with David and uh, going out for dinner with him, working a little bit with him, and uh, really having great experience. And so I, I still, you know, as I said before, New York is, I know New York much better than I know Milano. Before we return to Norbert, a word from our sponsor, Moroso. Of all the design brands that the Grand Tourist comes across, one stands out for its originality. A true pioneer in design, Moroso. Colorful and playful, yet elegant and rigorous. The designs of Moroso, from such names as Rana Rod, Martino Gemper, Tor Buncha, and others, have become icons. Now, marking the 70th anniversary of the brand, the company has unveiled its new flagship in New York on Madison Avenue. Designed by Patrizia Urquiola, a former guest of this very podcast, the new store features works from the various divisions of the company, from A&D solutions and limited edition pieces to the company's ongoing collaboration with the fashion brand Diesel. As one of the few remaining independently owned Italian design brands, they're able to take on the daring projects that Moroso is known for. One of their latest projects is the Pebble Rubble System by design studio Front. Imagine a series of soft shapes that appear like stones and can be arranged in various ways to create a chair, sofa, bench, or chaise. For more information, visit their new flagship in New York at 105 Madison Avenue, or visit moroso.it. That's M-O-R-O-S-O dot
And when you work for David Bowie, like he's a name that, you know, obviously is very well known in the food world, but because he's been out of the spotlight for a while, people may not know him. What was the restaurant that you worked with him for, uh, for there? In the first restaurant, Boulet restaurant, you know, when you had the old, the old oak door with the apples when you went in and it was really, it was fantastic, you know, but the food was fantastic. And those are the, already at that time, you know, the, the way of thinking quality way. This was for me great because he was really into quality. He was looking for the best potato to do the best potato puree. He was looking for the best uh, products to to really to work on this. And this is something what really uh, I kept in my, in my in my life for till today. And so there's a few chefs which I say, okay, this is my my teacher. David is for sure one of them. Then uh, there's another one is uh, Bitzigman. In uh, he was uh, named one of the five chefs of the last century in uh, in Europe in Austria no well he's austrian but he was uh, he has his, he had his restaurant aubergine in munich he was really food obsessed and he was really really into food yet and uh, he had a hard time then with you know with alcohol and stuff like that and so this is, was a a really big big lesson for me you know that uh, you have to to live also when you go up to two stars, when you go three stars, when you do all those things, that you really have to keep your feet on the ground. And so this was helped me a lot. And so this, and then I was with another chef with uh, Schubeck, and I was never working my life so hard as there, but it was really just pushing, 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 pushing. But you know, this is all great experience today. And uh, today we have really to think everything in a little bit in a different way. We have to uh, reinstall gastronomy. I think we have to work very hard on making gastronomy again sexy and uh, attractable for young chefs, for young people in the service. Because, you know, all of us, we have a lot of problems now, but, you know, there's a lot of things which is also our fault that we are there. But, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it changes, and so it's good. I think it's, it's, it's a difficult time, but it's also a good time. And when did you return back to back to your home to kind of work after your? When I was uh, work, when I was working for Mr. Witzigman, uh, then the owner of a hotel in the Dolomites, and he had uh, he owned also a castle, and he was talking with uh, with Witzigman to sit and then ask him, "Hey, listen, I have this castle. I need a chef." And then, you know, we started to talk. And in the beginning, I was not happy. They were not happy because they said, well, we are not talking the same language. And so, okay, this is fine. You go your way, I go my way. And then in the end, we find a way. And so this was uh, my returning point to Alto Adige. But it was never planned for me in that time. It was really, I said, well, no. And then, okay. But still today, I don't have to do too much with the local people here. I don't have to do too much with the local chefs, what you mentioned before. This area has a lot of uh, Michelin-starred restaurants. But I think, you know, that the reason why is because we have a mixture of very interesting cultures. On one side, you know, like in, in Alto Adige, we, we call it Südtirol. In Südtirol, we have uh, 60% still German-speaking because we used to be Austrian until 1918. After World War One, we came from Austria to Italy. And uh, as I said, you know, we have still 60% German speaking, we have 30% Italian speaking, and we have 10% Latin speaking, so Romansch, uh, like, uh, like you speak also in, 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 in Switzerland. But, you know, Südtirol was always open to the south. 
And so that's why there's a lot of influence from the Mediterranean cuisine came in here. And so there's a, quite a good mixture, you know, and the, when you have the, the strict German, Austrian, Hungarian way of thinking. And on the other side, you have the, the mixture, the way of living from the Italian side. It's a great mixture. And so that's why we are, we, I think we have, uh, this is the reason why this area is so loved, especially with the tourists from Europe. And uh, I mean, we are in a, in a lucky position. We have probably with the Dolomites, the most beautiful mountains in the world. And we have uh, a lot of culture. We have uh, skiing or ski resorts. And uh, so there's a lot of things to do here. But I think this mixture is really good, you know, especially when you come from Germany, you go over the Brenner and you still speak German, but you're in Italy and you have the mentality. And so this is probably the reason why we have so many good restaurants here. And obviously now we have a, a tourism which is working really well and uh yes and uh, when i was i started to work there in the dolomites in the Schlo castle and uh, then the owner he had an accident in the mountain so he passed away and then i was uh, i was thinking okay david offered me a contract to go back to new york and i said well yes why not and then uh, mr pizzinini the owner of the rosalpina he came up to me and he said hey listen I would love to become Roland Chateau. I would love to become any the restaurant, but uh, can you please help me? And so uh, I said in the beginning, yes, I'm going to help you for a year. Now I'm there for 28 years. <laughs> but we started really far, far, far away. Yeah, and I'm curious, like when you return home, you know, you're like a returning champion. You've, you've seen the world, you've come back. Was there, and you're opening this restaurant uh, at the Rosa Alpina, was that, was there any, did you kind of, you know, did you have a culture shock or we said like a reverse culture shock when you come home after a long trip? Um, you know, is there anything you noticed about the area that maybe you didn't before? Because once you had, you know, done so much work abroad. Well, I started to love more and more and more than the, the countryside, the culture side. I didn't uh, have too much contact also with, uh, with other restaurants because I, I was working and uh, in the, the time off, I, I was traveling around the world. So I came back to New York. I came, I went to Australia, went to all different countries and uh, all all different places, you know. And uh, so that's why I didn't have really a lot of contact. Still today, probably in half of the mission start restaurants in Alto Asia, I've never been. It's not because I think that I'm better. It's because I, you know, I live today, I lived my, 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 my life with my family. And I try try to 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 spend as much time as possible with them. And when I'm really leaving, I'm going to other countries. I'm spending a lot of time in the Nordic countries. I'm spending. Uh, we had a great trip uh, before the pandemic with uh, Norma to Mexico. We had a great trip with uh, Jackson Frillo and Duncan Wilcourt uh, to Australia with uh, to stay there with the Aborigines. And so this is this is still today. But it's it, I mean it's it's it's. As I said, you know, it's not not that I think that I'm better than all the others. It's just it's just my way of living. I do whatever I want, and uh, you know, I don't uh, like to say thank you to many people. So this is, uh, and I try, I really, I'm I'm in a lucky position that I, today I can say I don't I don't have to say thank you to many people. So you know, this is this is, but it's me. Before we return to Norbert, a word from our sponsor, Duradet. Founded in 1817 in Germany's Black Forest, Duravit is the international authority on design-driven bathrooms. The company collaborates with leading designers from around the globe, 
to create spaces that enhance your quality of life. One of the brand's daring visionaries is none other than rock star designer and former guest of this very podcast, Philippe Stark. The outspoken Frenchman's latest for Duravit is the White Tulip Collection. Inspired by the elegant shape of the flower in full bloom, the line contains everything to create your own Stark-designed domestic oasis. From wash basins and tubs to furniture. The White Tulip Collection has various finishes, wood options, and a circular chrome handle as an eye-catching option that's oh-so-stark. And if this grand tourist had the space, he wouldn't hesitate to install his favorite element of the collection, the freestanding and perfectly round bathtub that can transform any bathroom into a nature-inspired spa. For more information on Duravit or to find a local distributor, visit www.duravit.us or call 888-Duravit. One of the things that, that struck me about San Hubertus, the, the restaurant at Rosa Alpina that you've been working there for, for quite some time, is that it started from nothing. You've been there for a very long time. The first Michelin star came, I think, 15 years ago or, oh, or quite a while ago. 2000. And then, more, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then years later, the second star. And then years and years later, I think 2018 or something like that, the third star. So this kind of, you know, long-term project, this patient's you know, what would you tell a young restaurateur? Like, what is the lesson to be learned here that is it just, you know, slow and steady wins the race? What is? Well, the first star was, uh, you know, I started in 1990, 1994 with a pizzeria. There was no restaurant. And uh, okay. uh, so slowly it took, it took some time. Uh, in 1996, we opened up the real restaurant before I was just doing a little bit, you know, and then... But, you know, the restaurant in 1996, you had always to go through the pizzeria. So there was nothing really, really separate. And then in uh, that was mostly staying in the area for a woman. So it's really, I, I had a girlfriend there. And so this was the reason why to stay also. And uh, then I, we went on. And in uh, 2000, uh, we got the first Michelin star and we became also Relain Chateau. So what Mr. Pizzinini asked me was done. And, uh, you know, I was in a bad situation that uh, New Year's Eve, my ex-girlfriend decided that she felt in love with someone else. And so I was kind of uh, in, in, a, in, in a strange situation. And I said, well, you know, on one side, I, I really did what you asked me. So now I can go. Now I can go. And uh, I was talking again to David and he said, hey, listen, come to New York because I have a few projects and I would love to have you here. And then in February, I had a phone call from uh, Witzigman. And Witzigman, he came, he said, hey, Norbert, sorry for this, but uh, he was very often already in the hotel and he saw the situation, he saw everything and he saw the restaurant. And he came up to me and he said, uh, really sorry that I just called you today, but I just realized today that you get a mission started. I never, ever would have bet one dime that you go to achieve a star there. And I was really, I was really angry. I said, what the hell are you talking about? What, what's going on here? You know, wow. that was really pissed. I was, you know, I was really angry. And I said, hey, listen to myself, I, said, I show you how I go up here the three stars not the two stars the three stars i show it to you and then you know then i i i started you know i i, I did always a five years planning after three years i reset the planning for the next five years and so it went on all 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 on like this 
And, you know, the region was absolutely not famous for food. And so I started really to, to invent things, you know, to do events, to do this, to do this. Then in 2003, I started with an event which was called Chef's Cup. And I started to invite chefs, journalists from all over Europe, all over Italy, and in the end, all over the world. Uh, the first event was very small. So we had 50 people there. And after seven, eight years, I ended up with 1,200 people in one week and with chefs from all over the world. And so uh, it became bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, famous, more famous, more famous, more famous. And in 2008, we were the first restaurant in the northern part of Italy, especially in the mountains, to get two Michelin stars. But with that concept, what I learned in New York. So our, our appetizer, our signature dish and appetizer was foie gras. We did every night 90%, 90-95% of foie gras in the appetizer. I was flying in soft shell crabs. I was flying in lobster from Maine. I was lying in, uh, flying in uh, scallops. And I was flying in every week around 100 kilo sea fish from all over the world. And I said, okay, but I you know this was a reason because in the beginning, when I started there, we had just German tourists. And for, the, for those guys, an international cuisine was interesting. Then we switched. We had Italian customers and also for those guys we had the really uh to have an international cuisine was very interesting you know and then we started to have americans people from all over the world and said hey listen it doesn't make any sense that we have people from all, all, all over the world coming and we serve them sushi we serve them sashimi and we serve them all that stuff what you eat anyway better in new york so that's why it doesn't make any sense and so in 2008 when we started uh, when we had uh, achieved the second star i it, I took one year, one year, I mean, we, the restaurant was open, the restaurant was working, but I took one year to think, to think and to ask uh, customers, hey, what, what do you expect when you come to the Dolomites? What, what is the reason for you? Answer was always, I want to see the mountain. I'm coming for the fresh air. I'm coming for the food. I said, okay, so I'm doing everything wrong. Because food is not what... Uh, what uh, what do you expect what what do you expect when you come to the mountains, and so I I really I started to write write down cook the mountain, and uh, it as I said you know it took me one year and then we started uh, to do slowly and it was problems it was difficult it was uh, people didn't understand, and then in 2010 my first son was born and I said no we 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 really have to change because I mean we are not leaving anything to the next generation especially for our kids. I mean, today, when we go on like this, like what we are doing today, we have around 40, 45 harvests left. And then, well, you know, I'm 60. I can say, okay, I don't give a shit. But I mean, 100, 105 years old, I'm not going to get there. But, you know, for my kids, I have to, to take some, 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 some responsibility. And so then we really started to, to work on Cook the Mountain. And Cook the Mountain is very strict. So in the beginning it was written, and then we set up the rules with my with my chefs. And I said, okay, this is a piece of paper, and this you can move. So there was no greenhouses, so no vegetable comes out of a greenhouse. We have no citrus, because we live on 1,600 1, meters over the sea level. There's no citrus trees. We have no olive oil, because there's no olive, olive trees on 1,600 meters. We have uh, absolutely no waste concept. And so we started to work on this, you know, it was very difficult. It took us around five to six years to build up the supply chain because we had to 
to make people understand what we want to do. We had to make pharma understand what you want to do, and also the we had to understand what to do. So that's why in the beginning we were working always with middlemen. Didn't work because you know the communication was not there. So we took off all the middlemen. Now we go directly. We talk to the farmers directly. Now today we have around forty farmers, but in different altitudes and in different latitudes. Because working without greenhouses, when you are on one thousand six hundred meters over the sea level. In May, June, you have nothing because nature still sleeps there. So that's why we had to move to lower parties, to lower parts, you know, of the, of, of the area. Latitude, because if if I have all everything on one in one valley, if I everything have uh, the products with one farmer, if he catches a big hail, we are running out of products. So that's why it's it's very complex. You have always to think one year ahead. It's really really complex, and then. You know, I had to change my team because there was a lot of chefs. They still they said, "No, no, yeah, we, not, we don't, we don't care about this. We really want to work with foie gras. We want to work." There. Okay, then you have to go to somewhere else. So that's why I had to do also this work. And so it was, it was, it was quite, quite difficult. Also with the service, you know, the service was very important for us because you have to do a really good storytelling because otherwise people don't understand this. So that's why we had to change the service. And uh, it came in and it was, a lot of, it was a lot of mess in the beginning. Before we return to Norbert, a word from our sponsor, Gloucester. At Gloucester, they open the doors to beautiful exteriors by taking the long view and using the very best materials and techniques available. Gloucester's aim is to deliver impeccable furniture and countless special outdoor moments. Renowned for their use of fine teak, contemporary materials, and award-winning designs, the same passion, pride, and conviction that launched the Gloucester brand in 1970 continues to fuel the business. Today, trade studios and premium retail partners represent the brand and support their clients wherever they're found. And Gloucester's trade studios are in the heart of internationally recognized design districts, New York, LA, Chicago, and the Dakota, Florida. And the brand also collaborates with some of the very best retail names throughout the country. Explore the Gloucester brand online. Find your nearest Gloucester vendor, view products, sign up to the newsletter, and use a 3D planner to dream up your perfect outdoor space at Gloucester.com. Or follow at Gloucester Furniture on Instagram or Pinterest for regular updates and stunning imagery from their latest collections. Gloucester Furniture. Wherever you find them, you won't be disappointed. Uh, I'm curious with the zero waste concept, must have been pretty new at the time, or... Was anyone else doing no. that that you knew no. of? I mean, no. did people just think you were crazy that you wanted to use? People said we are crazy. And why did you know it was going to work? Because I was, I was convinced about it. I, I was, I was so deep into this, and what is what a lot of chefs don't understand is you have to work with young people, and this concept is made for young people. I told them, hey, listen, this is your future. You have to do it. We have to do it. We have to start. We have to do it because this is your future. Because otherwise, you know, we are running out of products. I mean, to feed on long-term 8, 9 billion people, you can do it just with small farmers. You cannot do it with, with uh, agriculture, with, uh, with uh, how do you say, it? monoculture. It doesn't work because you are running out of soil. I mean, for one cow needs one acre per year. So that's why we have to be. We have, we have to change. We have to 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 think in a new way. 
And uh, I, the deeper and the more we, we really were thinking about this, the deeper we came in and the more convinced we were. So in, uh, in 2016 for Christmas, I got a mail by a guy who was working for Michelin Italy. And he wrote me, hey, listen, Norbert, where's the Norbert that I knew when we gave him the two stars? What is going on there? Leave it. Go back to your to other thing. You're going to lose the second star. This is not the right way to do it. And I said, oh, Jesus Christ. You know, I, I took the mail. It was for Christmas. We had a lot of work. I took the mail. I came. I went home. I saw it to my wife and I was talking with her. She's like, come on, this guy is crazy. I said, yes, he's crazy. But, you know, can you read what you what, what wrote in there? I was waiting until the mid of January, so when the when the tough work was over, then I had a meeting with my four important sous chefs, and the oldest one was 25, 24 at the time, 25. And uh, we were sitting down in the evening, I put the mail on the table, I said, hey, listen, guys, you read this mail, you don't talk tonight, everybody of you goes home, Tomorrow morning at nine o'clock, we decide what to do, which way to go, what to do. We had a meeting the day after, and I arrived in the kitchen at nine o'clock, and I found four pieces of paper just smashed. I said, we are not interested about this. We are going our way, and we do this, and we bring this to the end. And in 2017, we were the first restaurant in the world to get three mission stars with a completely sustainable concept. Oh, bravo. It's like a movie. You, the like you 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 it's like being on a on a vessel at sea uh you know in the 18th century and and they said oh do we go back to england or do, do we keep sailing to the new world or something like that was there were, were there any you know did the owners of the restaurant or and rosa alpina were they supportive of this cook the mountain or they know they said it's your problem when it works <laughs> out when it works out is good otherwise it's your problem but, you know, it's, uh, I said, okay, you know, sooner or later you have to, you're on a, on a point where, where there's no turning point. And, you know, uh, it's always good when you don't have a plan B, because if you have a plan B, then you say, okay, we have always a plan B. So if you just have a plan A, then, you know, you focus 100% on the plan A, because otherwise you, you're always, you know, a little bit shaky. Okay, six, six, 70% on this side, 30% on this side. But no, we did, our commitment was 100% on, on the side that we wanted to go that way. And uh, this was the right way, because today it's a must. And when it comes to Alpine, one of the your other restaurant, uh, you know, the view, of course, is so incredible. And, and I've never been, but it must be... Your food must be the only thing that could compete with that view. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how that restaurant is different and how it sort of compares with, you know, other places that you, you've running, like in, in Rosa Alpina, et cetera? Well, it was completely different from the concept. And it was, for me, uh, necessary to have a place like this. Because, you know, Rosa Alpina, we do 20, 24 people, 25 people maximum. And so... You, I cannot guarantee to the farmers that we take the products because with you know with 25 people open just seven months per year, it's very difficult. So that's why I needed a place to do numbers, and Alpine does numbers. So we do uh, like today we had 140 covers for lunchtime, just for lunchtime. What is a lunch like at Alpine? What what's on the menu? Well, a lunch is uh, the same products, the same philosophy, the same ingredients as in in Sanctubertus, but just 
easier way. Then it uh, costs much less. It's faster. It's easier, and it's uh, you know it's it's a fun place. It's really a fun place. And when uh, the owner of the cable car comp, uh, from Plan de Coronas asked me to do this, I said yes. But I want to have my own designer. We have uh, on Plan de Coronas, we are in a lucky position because we have uh, the last museum done by Zahadit. Uh, and she never saw it, but it's a mind-blowing, really architecture-wise museum. And inside that museum is uh, Reinhold Mesner, which is uh, which was born in this area, and he was the first guy to climb all the peaks over four, over eight thousand meter without oxygen. And on the other side, we have the Alpine and Lumen. Uh, Lumen. The, the whole Alpine structure was, it's an old structure, it's not new, it's, it's, it was redone now, but the structure was already, it was the first time built in 1963. It was the first cable car station uh, to go up and plant the Coronas for skiing and for hiking in summertime. So, uh, but it was empty for 30 years and it was really, you know, it was, uh, they were thinking, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to smash it down or are we going to do something there? And so then they decided to do uh, the museum, the home of the mountain photography of uh, Tyrol. So not just Südtirol, but also the Austrian part. They went to the Expo in Milano and first they had this very small project and they went to the Expo in Milano. It was really crazy for them and they saw uh, the pavilion of, of Azerbaijan of Kazakhstan and of Japan so these were the three most innovative pavilions on, on the Expo in Milano and uh, then the whole new project came out you know and it's now it's 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 a really huge investment what they did but it's a very interactive uh, museum very interesting. It was all done by a by a by a company which uh, did a lot of installation in on 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 the expo, and I said to them, okay, yes, but I want to have my designer. And they said, no. Uh, I said, no. If I get my designer, we do it. Otherwise, I'm not gonna. We are not gonna do it. And then uh, they said yes, and we were we started to work with uh, Martino Gamper. Martino Gamper comes from the area from Merano. He's from this area. And uh, Martin is a, is, is a friend, he's a really friend. And uh, we said to him, hey, listen, Martina, two things. We would like to have a living room in the mountain, which is very difficult when you sit in a glass house. And we would like to have the philosophy of cook the mountain in the design. So he was starting to do renderings and he took the mountain stube from all over the world. So from South America, from the North America, from Asia, from the Nordic countries. And he came out uh, out with uh, up with with these renderings and it was really mind-blowing. It was really fantastic. I loved it from the first moment. And, you know, the thing today is you can stay in the Alpine and you can say, okay, listen, the ceiling is all in Loden which is a manufacturer from this area, which is the oldest factory for Loden, is in Brunico, Mesmer, but it was done with a Japanese coal painting technique so that you don't polish the water when you, when, you, when, when, you, uh, when you do it, you know. It was all done by hand by Martino on the loom. 
then uh, the whole system with the lightning is uh, is done with uh, with bork belly like they used to do it in the old days you know all the tables are single pieces and you can put them together so it's very flexible then under every chair we have a hack for the helmet in winter time so you don't have uh, any things around there you don't need the wardrobe but you know you can you have always the open space and this is very important and uh, you know today you can point with a finger and say hey listen the guy we got the vegetables down there. The guy who did the floor is down there. The wood from the floor comes from that valley. The stone comes from this valley. The butcher is there, and so it's a, it's a whole uh, a great concept. Then we had a big big problem with with the water. We said, okay, I was working with a, a very famous uh, water company, and I had also a contract with them. I said, I'm going to cancel the contract. I said, why are you doing this? But I cannot do it because we, we we did the calculation and we were supposed to bring uh, 36,000 bottles of water with the, with the trucks up the mountain and then to bring them down with the trucks. We said, no, we're not going to do this. I mean, we have great water. You know, all the water what you use in this area for making snow has to be drinkable. So there's no chemics in, there's nothing in, it has to be drinkable. So I said, we take this water, we use the water from the mountain. And so today we were working with uh, BWT, which is best water technology. We take the water from the mountain, we filter it, we mineralize it, we sell it, but we give 50 cents per liter in a project where, where they're drilling uh, water pumps in the poorest countries in the world. We started to work on a concept of the of the of the waste so it's all you know it's all separated it's glass plastic this way it's all separated and so that it's now it's a really it's a it's a whole concept and it's for me it's 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 i love it i love the place because you know when you go in there you can really you know it's so you you hang out loose and it 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 uh, it remember me always all the time when I was uh, staying with the Hope Indians, you know, you know, when you have the, the stories with the eagles when they are flying around, and this is this is how I feel when I go up there because you have the whole valley; it's under your feet, on two thousand two hundred meters over the sea level in a glass house, and uh, you're just hanging out there loose. So that's why it's 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 a great place. It's it's fantastic. And now from the mountains uh, down to the down to the lower valleys of. Uh... Milan with uh, the new restaurant Horto. Um, tell me a little bit about how this restaurant came to be and why you decided to 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 take part. Well, you know, first of all, the way of working is, you know, like what we are doing in in, in Rosalpina is cook the mountain. Also, what we are doing also up in up in Alpine is cook the mountain. So this is the philosophy, and this is what we build around. We did uh, a really interesting book. Uh, I'm going to send you one in uh, in uh, the year before the pandemic, and it's called "Cook the Mountain: The Nature Around You." Uh, the thing what we were the most proud of, you know, to get three stars with uh, with a concept like this, is we showed young people that when you respect the nature around you, doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter where you come from, you can go three stars. So when you are in Sicily and you respect and you use just the products around you, you can go three stars. When you go to Nordic countries, you can go three stars. When you go to everywhere in the world, when you just respect nature around you, you can go three stars. And this is the the biggest success of, 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 
of what what we did because then you know you uh first of all you maintain the culture and uh, you maintain the old traditions this is very important because otherwise we are going to do all this all everybody of us is going to to cook in the same way to do the same products and to do this so we started years ago to work on a project which is called cook the lagoon in venice with the Yaman Hotel. And then Milano, they came up to us and they asked, uh, can we do this? And then we were thinking about what can we do there because Cook the Mountain doesn't make any sense to do it in Milano. And so, you know, people would, would come up and say, hey, what the hell is going on here? What, what are you doing? No, but you know, now we are doing everything what comes around one and a half hour around Milano. So really calling it the ethical hour. Yes. Correct. Exactly. So, so that the farmer can come in, can bring the products and can go home because this is, this is the future. This is going to be the future for the producers. And this is going to, for me, for my, my opinion, the future also from the, for the, for the, for the young chefs in the future, because you have to give them a life balance. You have to give them a reason why to work. And so this is what we are trying to do there. We are trying to, to really, to build up, uh, a chain, a supply chain of farmers, like what we did in the mountain, but around Milano, and to bring the culture of Milano in the restaurant, but in a new way, in a new, new way of thinking, in a new form. But it's this is what we are trying to do, and also architecture-wise, we are very careful about what we are doing, about how, and uh, and so. I'm not going to be there, but uh, I have there two of my my sous chefs. And this is the next point on what I'm working. I'm working on giving space for the young chefs. So uh, Michele Lazzarini, he was working for a long, long time with me. Uh, nine years, he built up his own restaurant now, and I'm trying to help him, but in the background, not in front. And also we are trying to 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 really work with young people. And for Milano, we have... Alberto, he's working with us for a long time, and he's going to be the chef there, and he's going to take also the benefit and the granted all the, you know, when he got the awards, he's going to take them, not myself, because it's, you know, as I said, I'm 60 years old, and so it should be enough. There. When it comes to Milan and the ingredients that you can find in an hour and a half, is there anything that might surprise people that you found that you can actually pull? Well, it surprised people all the time, because, you know, uh, m- w- you know, this is just one stupid example. When you go to 80, 90% of the restaurants in the world, especially two and three stars, I can make you a list of 10, 15 ingredients and you will find them. So they're doing almost the same thing. And when you go really to, to go into the traditions, you know, with the rice, with the olive oil from there, with the vegetables from there, with the traditions really, with the, with the, with the sausages, what they have there. And uh, then you can really go into, and every valley has, has his own secrets, has his own uh, own things. And so this is this is very interesting. This is very nice. And so this is what we really should should keep and maintain for the next generations and so this is what i would love to do today and that's why we are doing or i'm working also on projects like this especially also like what we are doing doing with cares because when i did chef's cup when we started with uh with uh, cook the mountain it didn't work you know because chef's cup was a completely lifestyle event then we started really to i said well, we cannot do this anymore we cannot go up and down with the with the cars on the ski slopes and uh, talking about sustainability so it doesn't work anymore and so that's why we started we changed and we closed chef's cup which was a very very successful event and we started with cares and cares is taking care the ethical chef days and it's all about it's about the future it's about uh 
and not just cuisine anymore, but it's 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 much much more. So uh, it's we do congresses. I mean, we still will have dinners, but first of all, we invite chefs who have who has a, a, a concept, a sustainable concept, way of thinking and way of cooking. So like from New York, we had Manresa, David Kinch, he works on project with the tunas. We had a single thread farm. It's completely in a new way of thinking. You know, we had Daniel Patterson and it's uh, very veg- vegetarian in thinking. We had uh, Dominic Kren, all chefs with a very strong concept, with a very honest concept. And there was also supposed to come uh, then Barber. But I mean, the pandemic then started this. We had uh, a, a speaker. We one of one of my favorite speaker and one of my really uh, person which I really admire is uh, Yvonne Choinar, the owner and the founder of Patagonia. You know, and he did a speech about what he's doing with Patagonia food provision. And so this is what what we want to share now. What we want to share, what we, what we want to to bring. We are working with industry because we realized that to change things you can work just with industry. So we are working still with a car company, but we are working just with electric cars. And so we try, you know, to to go really in the on the next step. So that's why uh, I think cuisine is not enough anymore. So we have to to do more, like what we did with Martino, with the with the, with the design and with the architecture, and you know, to go. We are going to to work with Bruce Mao, you know, to to really to open up the door for the next generation. And this is this is what uh, what we love to do. And this is you know, and this is in the end of the day, we go back to the beginning. Remember, I was talking about the table in the kitchen, and this is today again the same thing because we have people in our restaurants on the tables sitting in, the, in our restaurants, which are probably the most important people in the world. And so we got them; we have a direct contact with them. And so this is what we would love to. And when you see most of the business was done around the table, most of the great new uh, inventions was was done around the table, maybe having a glass of wine, maybe having some food, maybe having some things. And this is what I would really love to do in the future, you know, to bring people again on a table, think, sit, talk, uh, maybe do philosophy or do be creative. And, you know, to, to really, to really uh, start to, to, to change the world in a good way, in a good way, in a better way to, for, for our next generations. And I'd love to ask you a question that I also asked uh, Thomas Keller recently. Uh, what is your own diet like? What do you like to have you know, for lunch on a Monday afternoon, maybe between shifts? Or what is, what is, what is your own diet like? What do you like to, what's a typical day for you? Well, I'm a very simple person. I, I love the old dishes, what my mother made for me. It's very simple dishes. It's like with potatoes and uh, with cranberries and stuff like that. But I like also a salad. It depends. It depends. It really depends. But you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm lucky because we, you know, for me, the most beautiful thing is really to sit down with the family. And to have the kids around, to have my, my wife, she's cooking most of the time. And, you know, just to sit down, to relax and to really have a great, great uh, t- time. But all the very simple things. So when you have a, just a salad or when you have a typical dish from this area, dumplings with cheese. And this is fine for me. I, I don't I don't need, uh, you know, I, I'm in the lucky position that I was really traveling around the world and eating all over the world in all kinds of restaurants I had. Very often, I was very often in the French laundry. I was very often per se. I love this. 
But also when we go on vacation, for me, uh, events like this, you know, to go to Per Se or to go also to Danielle or to go to the restaurants like this today, it's two ways of going there. One way is for me for business. When I go there for business, then it's good. But when I'm with my family, to go to restaurants like this, it has to be a special moment. And also for my kids. This is very important that it has to be a special moment for our family, for for because it's a special day, because there was a special event. It has to be special. I don't want to have that things like this become normal, because then you are not uh, respecting the work anymore, which is done by Thomas, by Danielle, by Jean-Georges, by David. And for me, respect is the most important thing. So all what we do today with nature is respect, and uh, and also the the respect for the hard work which is done by by chefs, by commis, by chef de cuisine, by chef de parties, and also by the service. For me, it has to be respected, and this is what I want to teach my kids. A special thanks to Norbert Niederkoffler, Julia Castelli, and Christoph Plankensteiner for making this episode happen. The editor of the Grand Tourist is Stan Hall. To keep this going, please follow me on Instagram at Dan Rubenstein to learn more. And sign up with your email for updates at thegrandtourist.net. And don't forget to follow The Grand Tourist on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen, and leave us a rating or comment. Every little bit helps. Till next time. Mm-hmm.